0: Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, whether physical or virtual. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am the networking and security event lead for Tech Field Day, as well as a member of the Gestalt IT community. And for each episode of the Gestalt IT On-Premise IT Roundtable, we bring together luminaries from across the IT space to discuss a topic, a premise, related to something exciting going on in the world of enterprise tech. I would like to take a moment for each of our guests to introduce themselves today, and then we'll jump into the premise of today's episode, Jason.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Benedicic. I'm an independent consultant in the UK, been in the, uh, IT game for about 20 years now. Um, you can find me on social media at JA Benedicic.
2: All right, Chris. Yeah, my name is Chris Grundeman. Uh, I work for a company called Myriad 360 that takes care of cybersecurity and data center infrastructure, and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Grundeman. All right, and Rohan. Uh,
3: Thanks, Tom. Uh, My name is Rohan Nagy. I'm from VMware SD-WAN business unit. I'm senior technical product manager out there. You can follow me on Twitter at Lifeboy, L I F E B O Y. All right.
0: Thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise of today's episode. We've spent a lot of time over the last few months kind of talking about working from home, working from anywhere really, it could be our home or somewhere else and the challenges that are associated with that. And we've already discussed some of the networking challenges that go with that. But today we'd like to turn a little bit towards the security aspect of things and talking about whether or not we can be secure working from home because in all honesty, the premise for today's episode is that traditional enterprise security models really don't work from anywhere. Now I want to jump in by talking about this because I've, I've done some research around this and one of the things that I think is probably the most telling is that enterprises have spent a significant amount of money over the years investing in stuff whether it be firewalls or data loss prevention devices, or any one of a number of controls that we've put in place to keep our enterprises safe and secure. And all of that stuff is now sitting in an empty building somewhere collecting dust as we sit at home or a coffee shop trying to get things done. And there's a significant amount of friction that comes from that, both from our perspective because we kind of feel like we're flying a little bit blind and from the security team because all that cool stuff that they've just spent years trying to get implemented is no longer helping us. So I wanna toss this question out to the group is the traditional infrastructure that we've put in place through networking and security something that we can use in this new paradigm that we're working in and i'm actually going to jump in and and start with rowan because you know you are the one who kind of tossed this out to us and i want to get your perspective on it as someone who kind of makes this stuff for other people hey
3: thanks first tom for inviting me for this uh, roundtable discussion Uh, So coming back to the problem uh, problem statement out here. So working from home is not the new norm. Working from anywhere is a new norm. The branch offices have shifted to our home offices from where on the public internet, we are accessing corporate applications or corporate network. We are going to cloud. We are accessing internet. My kids, they are on... Netflix, they are on zoom calls, so you know all kinds of traffic which is coming out uh, from the home network, and if you see the traditional way looking at the network is using some kind of a VPN device at the data center, a central or a centralized VPN concentrator or some kind of a proxy device using on the branch where you access Uh, corporate uh, network or go to SaaS cloud, but that's not an optimized way. You're hairpinning all your user traffic from your branch or home office, all the way to the data center and then to the cloud. You're basically taking a scenic route, not an optimized way. So, And at the same time, if you look at, uh, from the user point of view, the user experience is not great. Now the user, as a user, I need to think, or if I have to access corporate application, do I need to enable my VPN application? Or if I'm going to directly to the internet, what do I do with that VPN? I want some privacy control at the same time. I don't want my corporate to see all my uh, internet traffic, or I don't want my internet traffic to go all the way to the data center. So there is a, uh, poor user experience at the same time, some frustration with the set of uh, you know authentication. You are, you're doing authentication multiple times and figuring out what's the VPN connection. So that leads to a poor user experience. And at the same time, if you look from the IT administrator angle uh, from their point of view, now they have to deal with this VPN concentration or a setup when this pandemic happened that everybody quickly move towards the working from home environment. And now the IT administrator has to worry about their scale factor about their performance on these VPN concentrators. So yes, there is a a problem on both on the user performance, uh, user poor performance and on the IT infrastructure side also. And at the same time, poor poor user experience because of this hairpinning of user traffic. And I would say that that you're absolutely right
0: that that we've, we've done that. And I think it's actually a twofold problem. The first reason is because we built infrastructure that would allow for people to occasionally work from anywhere, that it was a temporary solution. If you need to log in from a coffee shop or a remote branch office to get something, that's great, but that's not where you're gonna be forever. And the traditional methods that we used would allow for that at a small scale. What we're seeing now, though, is that we're still leaning on those traditional methods very heavily as a crutch because we don't know how to optimize our workforce to be out there instead of in here. Now, Jason, you've you've done some work around this as well. Is that kind of what you're seeing is that we're, we're kind of leaning heavily on traditional methods because everyone's running around, you know, virtually with their hair on fire trying to figure out how does this work if work from anywhere is the new normal for 2021 as well
1: yeah exactly um so being an independent consultant I, I tend to work with multiple customers at any one time um or or short periods of time with one customer and then move around so over the years i've been used to um kind of multiple onboarding techniques or um multiple access methods um now when we were traveling back when we were out on the road you would generally turn up at a customer office and you'd get some equipment or you'd be onboarded in some way. Um, Maybe maybe a VPN if you weren't going to be around on site and doing some remote work. Um, Everything's changed now. So, you know, we've got remote onboarding um, and maybe somebody will ship some kit kit to your house. Um, Which, yeah, at the moment, I've got three customer laptops kicking around. Um, It's very difficult um, connecting to multiple different VPNs. Um, I'd much rather be sat here with... My own equipment that I have for surrounding me um, with, you know, secure access methods to multiple uh, corporations or companies, not getting tied up into multiple MDM policies. Uh, a single device can't be enrolled multiple times. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of friction to fluid working and and, and we need to overcome that.
0: Yeah, and I think that that friction is, is a key piece of this whole thing because we all know that enterprise IT moves reliably slow. And that's one of the reasons why we've we've seen people kind of go around it to do things like, um, you know, digital transformation around shadow IT and stuff like that. And I think that one of the big things that we were seeing before the times of the pandemic was that enterprises were finally starting to understand this idea of moving things closer to the edge, of moving stuff out to the branch offices. And that's one of the reasons why SD-WAN has been such a huge accelerator, is that it allows for a branch to function effectively as a part of the local network because of all of the acceleration and optimization that it offers. Now, Chris, you've done a lot of research into this area, especially around SD-WAN. Was that something that you were kind of seeing, again, pre-pandemic times, is that the organizations that were starting to embrace SD-WAN really kind of understood this need for things to be more um, edge-centric?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that is definitely, uh, I think what's happened is that uh, the current pandemic and and the work-from-home mandate or work-from-anywhere mandate that's really accelerated all of this, really is just that, an acceleration of trends that were already happening. Um, Definitely, we were looking at this as, as, you know, definitely in 2018 and maybe even before that, um, really this kind of breaking of that traditional model where, you know, the the big word is deparameterization. And I have a really good slide I like to use on it, which is basically a picture of a park and there's a sidewalk going through the park and there's a gate on the sidewalk, but no fence on either side of it. Right. So, so obviously the story there is, you know, the gate may be locked, but you can walk around it. And I think that's absolutely the story of the modern enterprise. And what's happened this year is that we've all been forced to face that reality, but I think it has been a reality for quite some time. And so, you know, whether or not all of that stuff that's left in the office, that's no one's gone into for a while, it's collecting dust is, is useful or not. I think is an open question. I think some of it is, some of it isn't, I I like to kind of break that down into, into, you know, a model of which pieces work and which pieces don't, but in general, I think this overall trend of of one moving to the edge, but that's coupled with moving to the cloud is is really um, a a powerful one and one that, again, is something that was happening already and and now is is accelerated and and we're really facing that reality of, wow, um, you know, the folks who were talking about that were right.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I always imagine this, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a stock image in a movie where someone, you know, is walking a really big dog with a leash that's kind of coiled up at their, their feet and the dog takes off running after something and the guy is sitting there holding the leash and then all of a sudden he realizes, wait a minute, as soon as this leash runs out and then you see the person get jerked off the camera because they just got dragged halfway across the park because they didn't realize that when things accelerate this quickly you are going to get left behind if you are not already moving when it comes to that point. And so that's, I think, as much of the story as it is anything else, is that the trend of being reliably slow isn't going to fit if you don't have the right capabilities to accelerate when needs dictate you need to. And I think that that's really where we need to start pivoting this discussion, kind of a little bit more focused on security, because we have seen so much of what we've traditionally accepted as just a base level of security in the enterprise kind of shattered into a million pieces because we're not in an enterprise anymore. We're in branch offices that are in small numbers. We're in you know, the, the home branch, if you will. And one of the things that was starting to kind of take shape right around the beginning of the year was a term that was coined by some analysts about secure access services edge. Uh, you'll hear it pronounced sassy quite a bit. I would actually like to have Rohan jump in here because SASE was something that was really starting to to kind of pick up steam when it kind of started talking about how SASE and SD-WAN work together to provide a little bit more security for branch users. Can you give us a little bit of a perspective on what SASE is and why you think it's important to the area that we're living in today?
3: Sure, so SASE, uh, Secure Access Service Edge, uh, that's the, full form of that sassy so you remember all the problem statement of that vpn concentration hairpinning the traffic to data center poor user experience what we needed was so with branch security was in place you know you have integrated security at data center you have third party next generation firewall everything is in place so security boundaries were tied up it was at the branch it was at the data center at the same time when a user traffic is going to the cloud, you could have cloud security. But now with this shift, which has happened like what Chris has mentioned that uh, users moving away from branch to their new home office, which is the new branch. Now the security boundaries have kind of uh, dissolved. So shift is happening everywhere at the same time. At the data center, the workloads have moved from the data center on-premise to cloud, I mean, they are everywhere. They are in cloud, they are on-prem. At the same time, if you see the branches have started thinning down, services, security policies have started moving more towards the cloud. So even the branch transformation is happening there, apps transformation, branch transformation. And at the same time, looking at all of these, the security parameter or the security parameter needs to change, the boundary needs to be changed for all these kinds of traffic. If user Bob is going to internet to access yahoo.com, it needs to be accessed. If I'm doing a eBay shopping, it needs to be securely accessed. There should be some kind of a data loss prevention uh, check which needs to happen um, in the cloud. So when the SASE term kind of uh, came in and the SASE basically solves this legacy architecture problem, which I just kind of uh, mentioned out here of this backhauling and all. So to support all this, uh, SASE was coined by one of the analysts out there. And what it really means is it's not a software which you have to download. It's as a service. So the networking, which is the SD-WAN because somebody needs to transport your user traffic effectively in an optimized way, in a secure way to the cloud where you are running some kind of security services. So the networking and these security services should come together to form what we call this framework as SASE. I mean, that's how I will kind of define SASE. So the focus with the SASE has moved away from branches, from data center. It's cloud delivered as a service. You don't have to install any software for that. Yeah, I think
0: that it's funny that when we initially started hearing about this new uh, focus on secure services edge. The idea was we wanted to integrate networking and security because far too often the security aspect of what we're doing kind of gets left by the wayside because it's an afterthought it's bolted on, you know, right before we ship everything when what ended up happening was we no longer had the opportunity to even bolt security on because I'm not going to ship a brand new firewall to every one of my new remote users and hope that they're going to install it. And then the first time that someone at home can't watch Netflix through the brand new corporate firewall, it's going to get ripped out and replaced. So I think that SASE's ease of integration of security became a necessity as we lost the ability to have our traditional enterprise security controls in place now chris you've with all the time that you've spent in sd-wan how has the shift toward this sassy discussion been from your side of of the fence ha- have a lot of people started kind of saying well sd-wan meets some of my needs but i really need to have this other security component to feel like i'm i'm getting a lot out of it
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think from, from pretty early, uh, you know, security was some kind of component of, of the SD-WAN conversation, even if it wasn't baked into all of the products that were being sold, right? I mean, I think at this point, there's definitely over 30 folks who still have, you know, even, even after some consolidation, there's still around 30 companies that are doing SD-WAN legitimately. And almost all of them have some form of security built in there. Um, and, and so I do think that is, you know, It has always been part of the conversation. And and definitely, you know, it's joined with this idea of kind of beyond the firewall, right, which I think is kind of the the, the way of looking at security. As Rohan was saying, you know, you used to be able to just kind of plunk a box on the wire at the edge of your building and be happy. Uh, And that's definitely not the case anymore. And I think that is evident through the evolution of SD-WAN providers, adding various types of um, security in. And then the other piece is, which is really interesting, kind of a corollary to SD-WAN is been the development of, of um, what some people are calling SDP or, or um, uh, software defined parameter, which is really just a zero trust network access methodology that's kind of a replacement for VPN, which is of course now tied into the idea of, of SASE, along with kind of all the other pieces and parts. So I think that communication and security being linked in the cloud world uh, is, is absolutely necessary.
0: Yeah, I would agree that as well because one of the things that we're starting to see is as we bring more of these sassy services into our daily workflows, you know, simple things like a cloud access uh, security broker, a CASB, it's absolutely necessary to proxy access to certain resources or to ensure user authentication to those, and that's how you are able to kind of I don't know split the workload between authorized corporate users that are accessing corporate environments in the cloud and non-corporate users who are accessing non-corporate resources. So for example, if I'm accessing the enterprise office suite on the one side and one of the people in my household is accessing a different corporate office suite or a commercial office suite on the other side, I don't want those two things to have the same level of security. Obviously, I want my documents to be safe and secure. And these other ones, while it would be nice to be secure, it's not a requirement by policy. Now, Jason, as an independent contractor, you know, you guys get to spend a lot of time interfacing with customers, as you you said already. Are you starting to hear that a lot of companies, a lot of customers are wanting to have this kind of security baked into their environment so that they don't have to worry about which switches to toggle and which parts to buy that you need to be able to use to upgrade your existing devices to provide something that quite honestly should have been there in the first place?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, So... Yeah, there's that, and there's also what we what I'm seeing now is that it's kind of like the model with where um, Netflix and, and the cloud use is that people want to bring the security and the connectivity closer to the user. They also want them to be getting to their closest resources. So, you know, if I'm using an office suite, um, I'm going to get redirected to the the most um, the closest region to me for that access but if i'm connecting back via my corporate office which is in america uh, i'm going to get access to the american region and that round trip is probably going to be a bit of a problem there might be some different security concerns as well so what what we're needing to do is bring everything from the branch and all of the security principles and the the localization and the the you know quickest routing to to your destination to every home. But also, like you said, um, so my my partner works in in IT as well, um, and we might be accessing those corporate office systems at the same time. And we want that traffic to go in two different directions. Um, You know, I'm connected to a completely different customer as as to her corporate office. So we need these solutions to be very, very flexible, but also bring them very close um, to to the user.
3: Tom, just to Jason's point, I think he has mentioned two great points out here. One is closer to the application, and then that privacy, that transparency should be there. And I think that's where I wanted to touch base on when we define the SASE. SD-WAN is a key component uh, to that SASE. And when it comes to that VMware side of it, where VMware SD-WAN from day one was cloud delivered, one of the component of the SD-WAN, VMware SD-WAN, was in cloud. We had a global footprint of those gateways, which are around the globe, so that you can have that optimized and that nearest quickest access to SaaS application, what Jason was mentioning. And that's key uh, to the the user experience out there. And at the same time, it should be transparent to the user. User, uh, as an end user, when I log into my laptop, I should not be kind of going and, you know, now I need to activate my VPN. It should be all transparent. It's like, you know, if I'm at the branch, the VPN service should automatically be paused because I'm in a trusted network. But those things have gone now. If I'm in a trusted network, then I'm allowed to access corporate defined applications or corporate allowed applications. Now, working from home, that should be all transparent. It should be not based on IP address. It should be based more on, let's say user authentication as a sales user, what application, what corporate applications I'm allowed to access in an optimized way. And that's where SD-WAN comes to play to transport your application to the nearest pop like Office 365 or any corporate applications. And that's where the zero trust comes to play, zero trust network access.
0: Yeah, I would say you're absolutely right there. And that's actually one of the big advantages that I have seen, at least in my experience from a company like VMware SD-WAN. Because as you said, from the very beginning, it was focused on the cloud. It was cloud managed. It had cloud accessibility. When you look at some of the more traditional um, WAN-focused SD-WAN vendors, what they wanted to give you was a box at the edge that you used to nail up tunnels to some of their location. And you were only going to be dealing with a, you know, a few dozen offices and, and, you know, the cloud is a thing that might happen someday, but thanks to the vision that you guys had from the very beginning, you realized that the cloud was the ultimate destination. We just maybe had to take a little bit of a different road to get there. And that kind of belies the power of the flexibility of your platform as well, because as new things like SASE have come along, as these integrations have become more and more important, I think that you really have a handle on how to not only enable that, for users, but also give your customers the power to enable it on a per user basis so that you know, for example, like you said, if I'm sitting in a corporate office with all of my traditional corporate security, I don't need to have a laptop initiate a VPN connection to a cloud gateway. I can trust that I'm in a safe place. Whereas when I'm in the middle of, you know, insert the name of your favorite coffee shop here, I want that thing cranked up as much as possible just because I don't want to run the risk of having someone eavesdropping on a public Wi-Fi connection or possibly shoulder surfing something. That to me is super critical. And is that kind of the thought process that you guys have had going forward is that we wanna build a flexible extensible platform that allows us to kind of roll with the punches of not only the way the world is dictating that we need to do stuff, but also that security is changing in the way that we need to access our data.
3: Yes, I think security is changing and that's where the networking should also bolt on to it. We should not think security as a day two operation. It should be kind of an intrinsic security where it should be bolt on on to day zero kind of thing when you are designing the networking that these are the points where I need to apply security because now with the transformation which has happened with this working from home, I'm not just using my office laptop, I'm using my iPad, which is not a corporate given iPad or some home device. how the securities are going to get applied here? Can I access my corporate applications from these home devices, which is not being sanctioned by the IT staff? And that's where that transparency comes to play. That's where this ZTNA zero trust network access comes to play. It should be on the user where the security or some kind of a uh, solution should be able to monitor and enroll these devices, and then I should be able to access from any device, from uh, any user, I sorry, not from any user, but from user, I should be able to use any device and access this corporate applications.
0: Yeah, Jason, we talked earlier about traditional IT kind of being reliably slow. And I know that a lot of times that I spent learning these these things, you know, we would classify certain machines into certain VLANs and apply security policy to those VLANs. And then, you know, when BYOD hit and, and kind of blew that all out of the water, we had to start rethinking that. Is that something you're seeing that, that users and, and customers are trying to have to shift their thinking from machine groupings to user identity as the way to provide services in the future with the rise of things like zero trust networking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we can't necessarily understand exactly what device you're going to be connecting from. Um, You know, on any given day, this could be my personal machine, my personal laptop, an iPad, my phone. Uh, If I'm out and about, it could be that I've borrowed a, we're going to say an internet cafe, but you know, you've borrowed a terminal somewhere or you've done something similar. You need that flexibility of access. And that's more important to have a pure focus on who the user is and what their role in the organization is. Um, And that actually comes back into what I was saying before about like being a independent contractor and I work with multiple customers, I want to be able to use the same device and I might want to be able to connect to multiple corporations at once, but I don't want them to have any shared data, for example, or I don't want, you know, there to be any leaks or anything like that and i want to know that i could read an email to check on a meeting that might be happening tomorrow on one corp um while i'm still finishing some you know configuration on another one and moving this down to my authentication to to who i am and what roles i have really helps me with that role it's like as if this new trend is really built for for the the digital nomad because that's kind of what i call myself really
0: yeah, I think we're all trying to find that uh, we're, we're going to be digital nomads for a while. But the nice thing is, is that our traditional, you know, watering holes, for lack of a better term, are moving to be cloud focused, which allows us better access. But it also means that we need to be more secure in the way that we access them. You know, Chris, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Is this, this the, the friction that we're seeing between traditional IT methods needing to adapt to a new world, even as the world is shifting underneath them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think the, the only comfort I take is that this, this is, I think, just an acceleration of, an, of a trend that was already happening. So it's not like we took a hard right turn in, in you know, March or April of 2020. Uh, this was something that was already happening and it's just become much more pervasive and much more uh, visible to everyone. Um, you know, at, at Myriad, we've talked about a, a secure and mobile workforce being the thing that has to be created. And I think that's in line with, with what we're talking about here, which is exactly the, the, the thing that, that VMware's uh, SASE approach takes. Um, by combining those you know, cloud gateways um, with the, the security measures. Uh, it's a really interesting look. Um, Cause I have definitely been in the situation, maybe not in an internet cafe, but uh, there's been times where I'm at somebody's house not recently uh, and had to use a friend's laptop, right? To do something quick for work, some, something blew up. Um, so again, yeah, that, that, that idea that you really, the device just doesn't matter at all. There's some other context that does in addition to identity, um, but the device is, is a very low on that list of, of how do I tell who gets access to what for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately that's where we're going to be facing these challenges going forward in the future is we need to focus on the way that we can assure that our users can access the data that they need to get to, no matter where it is, no matter where our users are. And there's a variety of security that we can put in place that makes that happen sassy is one of the umbrella terms that we use to describe that and companies like VMware are doing a great job of integrating the concepts of sassy into the traditional IT infrastructure that they have been producing to allow a little less friction when that happens now you're never going to get rid of it completely because friction is just a way of life but if you can reduce the friction in the areas where it doesn't need to be present that allows you to focus on making sure that the other things are you know, a little bit easier to manage and in a stressful time, the less stress you can produce for your users, the less stress you can have on your teams, the easier it's going to be for everyone. And, you know, when we move back, if we move back to a situation where we're working from a branch again, Sassy works just as well there as it does in the other anywheres that we work from. I want to thank our guests for being a part of this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Uh, Rohan. Since VMware has been such a critical part of of this discussion, if people want to learn a little bit more about VMware SD-WAN,
3: where can they go to learn? So they can go to the VMware site, or they can just search for VMware SASE, and they can find out. I'll also post a link to this whole ZTNA, the VMware uh, uh, SASE concept, uh, in this podcast also.
0: All right. And we will make sure that that link is in the show notes. So if you guys want to follow along after listening here, you can check that out. And remember, if you want to find the latest episode of this podcast, make sure you head over to gestaltit.com slash podcast and, uh, and listen there or watch along. If you are more of a podcast application person, uh, we are available in every podcast application out there. If you do listen to us there, one thing we'd ask is if you'd leave us a, a review there because a lot of folks rely on those reviews to determine if the content of the podcast is something that they wanna listen to. And you know, we wanna grow our listener base as much as possible. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, from our friends at VMware, and for our great guests from the community, we want to wish you a great day. Thank you very much for joining, and we hope very much to be able to bring you another great podcast from anywhere in the future.